Hey, this is Champagne Sharks. This is, I don't know the episode number, so scratch that. Uh, this is T. Trevor. You could find me on Twitter at Ricky Rawls. You can also do the group Twitter account at Champagne Sharks. And we have with us Mike. Hey, everybody. This is Mike. You can find me on Twitter at Black Exception One. And is it housekeeping? It's housekeeping, isn't it? I've been seeing house cleaning for like 90 episodes. And nobody corrected me. Uh, it, it's house cleaning, right? I think it works either way, but I think traditionally it's housekeeping. Housekeeping, yeah. So, so y'all let me say house cleaning for like God knows how long. But well, you just don't want to be corrected, so I just well, well, well you know what? You could let's say this. You know, you always accuse me of calling you out when you say something wrong. So <laughs> I'm I'm holding myself to the same standard. I'm calling myself out. Uh, well, yeah, I, you so know, I, I'm like a golden rule type of guy. I don't like you putting me on blast for my <laughs> errors. So I don't I don't put you on blast for your uh, verbal faux pas. Way to perpetuate call out culture, guys. Yeah, I know. Right. But no, he's not perpetuating it. I'm, I'm the perpetuator <laughs> of call out culture. Okay. I uh, OK, so you know what? I'm doing the golden rule. As I call you out, I'm calling myself out. So housekeeping, keeping and I'm still fucking it up. Housekeeping, Patreon dot com forward slash champagne sharks uh five dollars a month you get double the episodes and access to all the back episodes it's a very good deal and we have our guest who's bit she's so anxious to be on the show she just jumped the gun she's just going <laughs> wild uh we have tana we have um tana and i messed up your name before and i want to get it right ganova uh that's the bulgarian pronunciation i just say tana Geneva, but whatever you want to go with works for me I think the Bulgarian pronunciation is even better. I think, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Gadova. Okay. Well, 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 you know what? You know what? Whatever you want. You know what's funny? Last time I asked you, you told me the Bulgarian pronunciation, and and now you just, you're gaslighting me. I don't know what call out culture and gaslighting. It's just <laughs> yeah. what we're doing today. <laughs> okay, we, we set the tone early, so yeah, yeah. So today we're going with Geneva. We're being American, USA. <laughs> yeah, it's very patriotic. And uh, tell the people about yourself, Tana. Uh, sure. Uh, so I'm a reporter and I cover criminal justice, um, gun issues, politics, uh, things like that for various publications. Now, um, tell the people where they can find you, reach you, etc. Uh, well, my Different Twitter website. handle is uh, just Tana Geneva um, at Twitter at T-A-N-A-G-A-N-E-V-A. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Now... Before we get into the subject of today, which is uh, Alice Johnson and Kim Kardashian, how did you get, two questions, how did you get into criminal justice as being your beat, particularly prison reform, right? Yeah, uh, so basically, um, you know, I used to do general political reporting, um, and then I uh, helped launch a web magazine about drug policy and criminal justice reform called The Influence. And then, you know, that kind of um, disappeared because our funders ran out of money. And then I uh, started freelancing for a little while. Um, and I did a series of stories for The Washington Post about President, former President Obama's clemency initiative, where he, you know, basically instructed the DOJ Office of Pardons to um, start a program where nonviolent drug offenders would get their sentences reviewed and potentially commuted or pardoned by the president. And so I did profiles of a lot of these prisoners. And so President Obama completely rightly 
is commended for this program and he released a lot of people, I think about 1700, uh, but a lot of prisoners didn't have to get their sentences commuted and they were so upset because they were sure it was going to happen for them and it didn't and nobody knew why because you know, that process is actually uh, quite opaque. Um, so Alice Johnson was one of those people. She applied for clemency. She was denied. Her cellmate and best friend got clemency and was freed in 2015. And uh, yeah, and then Alice Johnson was still supposed to die in prison because she had life without parole for a nonviolent drug offense, which was her first offense. And apparently, because our world is very strange, Kim Kardashian West saw a video about Alice Johnson and then undertook this project over for over a year uh, where she, you know, helped Alice Johnson get lawyers. She personally lobbied uh, President Donald Trump. And as we all know, like last week, her efforts were successful and Alice Johnson got to go back home to her family. Uh, Tana. Yeah. Did, um, so we never we never found out why uh, Alice was denied her clemency. Uh, no. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of specu rampant speculation among her advocates and lawyers. It's possible that she was denied because she was indicted in a fairly large drug conspiracy, even though her role appears to be have been minimal. Um, it's also possible that somebody at the DOJ just missed a deadline and then, you know, her case went nowhere. Nobody knows. It's just a process without a lot of transparency. Yeah, it's it's been um, weird. A lot of people have been, like, surprisingly, like, angry at Kim Kardashian even after pardon was granted. Kind of strange to me. Like, you know, like, uh, the fact that they were mad before wasn't as strange to me as the fact <laughs> that even after they were still, like, she was wrong to do it, which, um... <laughs> was very very right. weird to me and some people were saying i i got into um some people were taking clips of her talking to van john van jones and mm -hmm. and they were characterizing the clip as something that wasn't actually happening in the clip like they were like look van jones hit her with a gotcha question uh van jones pointed out that uh how do you feel about the fact that your work getting her freed might be used as a photo op and a pr thing for uh trump and she didn't even realize that she just got got. And I was like, really? And then I watched the clip and it totally wasn't that. Like, mm. um, Van Jones was pretty much very complimentary of her. Um, point, she points out that Van Jones was involved for three years. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, which you bring up in some of your articles, and that she, she praises the people who came before her and did work. And then he points out what would be your response to people saying that you played into his hands and helped them with the PR move and she thought about it and then she said that she, she answered the question pretty thoroughly she said i don't think it's going to be used at that if anything my husband already gave him uh a certain amount of credibility already at least i got something out of it and honestly like you know what else can he do do with this i mean it's it is it is what it is and i just care about getting her out it was a very but i found it so interesting that people just wanted to find a way to keep a coming at her and then b because I started asking people, I was, the people who are on Twitter getting upset about it, I started asking them. And I was like, okay, what do you want her to do? Do you want her to actually let Alice Johnson just rot until a Democrat comes into office? And some people straight up told me, yeah. Mm. Well, this is this, this scenario is familiar to me. I mean, um, we saw the same thing under, under Obama where, you know, a lot of Obama's goals or whatever weren't necessarily in opposition to the republicans but they just they just wanted to be opposed so bad that they weren't hearing any of it yeah and i think we're yeah. in that place now except it's reversed where people hate trump so bad that i mean i don't know what the alternative is to leave this lady in prison to die 
in, in order to not be, you know, used. Some people actually told me that. Oh, what? Somebody said that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actual black people. Yeah, some oh. actual black people said, like, which I find weird because I'm like, okay, you would, because actually at that point, you actually care more about, like, the resistance, the hashtag resistance types and the share blue types than you do by actual black people. When you actually want a fellow oppressed black person to rot just so um, the Democrats uh, don't get hurt in the next election. And it's, uh, it's and she'd been in prison how long? 20-some years? Uh, 22 years. Uh, yeah. Some people actually seem to actually even be mad at her. Like, she should have taken the extra hit right. for the Democrats, which is, this is a weird... I mean, people really like... But some black people really like Democrats. I don't even understand that. I can say not liking Republicans, but I can't understand <laughs> actually liking centrist Democrats that much. Yeah, I mean, I don't really get it either. So I understand the emotional, the, the sort of emotional reaction where you like the, the idea of Jared Kushner or Donald Trump getting any kind of credit on criminal justice reform or even, you know, the, the selective use of the pardon power is I get why it's so galling for people and it's horrible. But I guess what I just keep coming back to is like, well, but is it your family member that's in prison no. for life? until they die like and i mean again i get it my thinking on the topic now is that i don't think prison reform is the kind of issue that swings elections so people that are concerned that this is like a great pr opportunity for donald trump and that it's going to help him you know that it's going to help republicans in the midterms or potentially a republican candidate or donald trump in 2020 it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, we all know, we all live in the news cycle. Stories die in half a day at this point. And yeah. I personally can't imagine a scenario where Donald Trump gets reelected based on releasing some elderly prisoners that should be released. Good point. And I could be totally wrong about that. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not like one of those people that does like constant polling on issues. But my experience has been that most people do not care that much about prisoners. To have that be. There's also a weird idea that there are going to be these people. I don't know who these people are who think Donald Trump was racist up until now, but this exactly. thing is going to change their mind. And I'm like, if someone is that much of a moron, I don't think, <laughs> I, I, I mean, anything could have changed their mind in, by the time 2020 came. Like, you know, if yeah. everything, if, if after everything he's done, this one thing just makes you think he's not a racist, but people are acting like this was going to happen in such an appreciable level of voting that it would actually uh, reconfirm. Um, I mean, it, it, was, it was just strange. I, I was, but I was just very disturbed to see a lot of black people like saying this. Like they would rather this like grandmother and great grandmother who's been in prison for 21 years just to stay in there just to give a black eye to Trump. It was very bizarre. If it was just one person, it wouldn't have bothered me, but it was like a whole, there were like threads and whole bunches of people. I mean, again, Twitter's not the real. No, <laughs> we should always remember I, that. Remind myself that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, that is a sentiment I also saw on cable news. You know, I think a lot of people, and whenever I tell people that story, you know, and I live in fairly like progressive leftist circles, but whenever I tell people the story, they're like, oh, he must have some ulterior motive. He just wants to pardon himself later. Or, and it's like, I'm like, you know what? I'm not in that guy's head. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know why he would do something ever. Um, but why don't we just take this as a win? And then... I think the opportunity here is to open up a space to pressure Democrats to be better on this issue. So and, if Democrats don't want to get outflanked on criminal justice reform by freaking Donald Trump and Jared Kushner, they should be better on the issue. Does that make sense? No, like, no, no. It, it, makes, it, it makes a great point because if, if one good act, despite 
a horrible history of racism can make people abandon Democrats in droves on race. That says more about Democrats than it does about this one act. Right. You know, yeah, it kind of shows how shitty you've been if this one act can uh, yeah. do that. Exactly. Know? And I mean, another thing, too, is that so like one thing I'm having a lot of trouble with sort of wrapping my own head around is that, you know, like this is happening even as there's an obvious like humanitarian catastrophe happening at the border with like kids, you know, migrant and uh, refugee people getting separated from their children and incarcerated and their families don't know where they are. You know, that's a direct result of Donald Trump's emboldening of ICE and other immigration authorities. And that's terrible. But also, I I think that doesn't mean that these people should die in prison for selling and or knowing people who sold drugs that very many other more privileged people can easily get on a Saturday night and face no repercussions for. Um, You know, something else, I'll tell you the exact thing, because I want to find the exact thing that somebody said. Okay, somebody said, this gives Trump a shield from accusations of racism. I think it's myopic to just accept this at face value. Trump isn't going to address the criminal justice system in a way that benefits us, meaning uh, black people. Freeing one woman is pointless. And then my response was, freeing one woman is not pointless. The point of freeing one woman is to free one woman. Like, yeah. that's the point. How much, right. I mean... I mean yeah, and then I said, and this was really interesting to me. I said, if that woman was your mom or sister, would mm-hmm. you say? Would you still say that? Which is what you you said. I think earlier, right? You said uh, you have to think about if it's if it's your family. Then I added, add, there's still enough racism on record with Trump for this one act to not erase at all. And then what the person said, which really kind of disturbed me, he said, I don't care what theoretical relationship she could have to me. I'm looking at the long game. This will invig- invigor the rhetoric of right-wing pundits as if they need anything. Like, you know, like, right. Uh, as if they yeah. don't have enough stuff to talk about already wrongly. Yeah. Or they won't, or they won't invent it. Right. Yeah. And I think I will say I've been unfair about one, but two things. Uh, Van Jones, ha- I didn't know the extent to which Van Jones has been uh, involved. Um, I think you mentioned one of your articles about his Cut 50. Yes. Can you explain that offhand? So Cut 50, I mean, it's a nonprofit devoted to, uh, they're not, you know, I, they're not, I don't usually, I don't, I haven't worked with them that much, but um, I know that they um, are, are just devoted to criminal justice reform. And they also helped draft the uh, First Step Act, which is a criminal justice reform legislation that passed through the House with a lot of enthusiastic votes. But as far as I know right now, it threatens to die in the Senate. Because um, both prominent Republicans and prominent Democrats are against it for different reasons. Yeah, I get why the Republicans are against it. I know Tom Cotton, the Republican, he's against it because he thinks it doesn't jail enough people. So Tom Cotton, um, from what I understand, is launching some sort of shadow opposition to the First Step Act in the Senate. And Tom Cotton famously several years ago said that America doesn't put enough people in prison so he's going at it from the insane right-wing perspective that more people should be in prison in this country, which nobody would agree with. Senators Kamala Harris and Cory Booker appear to be opposed to the First Step Act, Step Act, and as is Republican Chuck Grassley, because it doesn't include sentencing reform. So it doesn't um, have stipulations related to like quelling some of the bad outcomes of mandatory minimum laws. So that's like a thing where, you know, somebody's a first offender, they go before a judge, the judge has to give them a very long sentence, even just based on the amount of drugs or 
potential priors, even if the judge doesn't think that they should be in prison for 20 years or life. And then, you know, very many judges have famously quit over having their hands tied in this way. So it's completely understandable that they would be opposed to the First Step Act because it doesn't include those reforms. But it includes a lot of other good stuff, like it bars the shackling of pregnant prisoners. It includes reforms like making sure that prisoners are kept closer to their families. So something I've found when I do the supporting is that, so like, okay, I'll talk to a federal prisoner and I'll ask them something like, when's the last time you saw your kids? Or when's the last time your family visited you? And their answer across the board was always, you know, I haven't seen my kids in this many decades. And whenever they told me that, I always assumed that their kids didn't want to see them because they were like alienated from them or because they were mad at them or because they grew up without them. And then inevitably, I would always end up talking to the kids or other family members and they would always tell me the same thing, which was, we love our parent, but we're too poor to travel across like 13 states to see them. We're just too poor because like prisoners are very poor. Their families are also very poor for the most part in America. Like rich people don't go to prison for a long time. Poor people do. And their families are also poor because they were poor in the first place. And when you're poor, even when you have jobs, like like it's jobs where you lose money for not going to work and where it's not easy to take extended breaks very easily. Like you get kind of retribution for it. Not only that, but like the cost of doing that, you know, you still have, you know, people are still supporting their family members in prison, you know, they don't provide a lot of things. So you still send your family money and, you know, take their phone calls, which be like a dollar a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That they're charging you. So it's just like, it's just one more cost that they can't afford. But but when you're doing hourly work, it's like it's like double. You lose the money right. that you, you the money you have to spend to travel, but also the money you lose from not working. It's not like they give you uh, paid leave. It's exactly like most workplaces in America aren't like, oh, go ahead, take three weeks to see your parent in prison in Florida. Like that's not how jobs work in America. Yeah, yeah, and you'll get a salary during those three weeks. You know exactly. Yeah, like please, we support you completely. Go for you know, hang out with your imprisoned parent. Propose something like that. I think you know, I could get with that. I could get behind. A, I could get behind a law like that. Let's try to get that popping. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, but but look how hard it is to get anything that right. actually helps yeah. support people. It's uh, I mean, it would be nice. It would be. And uh, they're they're opposing this, and it's like they they, they got this all or nothing kind right. of uh, attitude towards this uh, first step act, and um, I don't I don't understand I don't understand it. What's the what's the purpose of that? I mean, so here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that if it reaches the Senate, um, or I mean, it's in the Senate now, but I'm hoping that they'll try to um, get sentencing reform in there, and I'm really hoping that if. They fail to do so because let's remember, this is like a midterm election year. Like conservative Republicans aren't going to be like, yeah, we're going to die on the hill of letting people out of prison early. Um, I'm hoping that like uh, senators Kamala Harris and Cory Booker would still vote for it because like otherwise, like as one of my sources told me, they were like, do Kamala Harris and Cory Booker really want to be voting alongside Tom Cotton? Like, no, that's not a good um, alternative to Donald Trump. I don't think. I mean, maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like the best strategy for Democrats right now. I'm curious. Like, maybe I'm just being politically naive. Um, but like, why not just adopt the best parts of the act and then work to add more? Or is that what they're doing? Or is the plan to like kill it and then introduce a more comprehensive one that has all the best parts and then some? Like, what is the strategy in in um, this all or nothing? 
approach like like what is their idea of what's supposed to happen from it because i'm sure they don't want to just kill it and then walk away from the table i'm sure there must be some bigger plan in action i and i'm wildly speculating here because actually i'm not in touch with either um senators kamala harris or cory booker i as far as i know there's nothing preventing like an other legislation in future sessions to get passed that does include sensing reform if the first act step act passes um the, a woman or um actually i uh interviewed one of alice johnson's lawyers this amazing woman named Brittany barnett and she got involved in lobbying for prisoners because her own mother spent two years in prison because she like had some addiction issues so she ended up spending two years in prison and like Brittany told me on the phone straight up she was like having my mom in prison for two years was sheer hell imagine having your mom in prison for 22 years and serving life without parole and that's why she got involved doing this work so she brought up a really good counterpoint which is that even though it's good reform on paper um she's concerned that the bureau of prisons which completely opposes it might not institute those reforms in a way that really affect people Hmm. like that they might actually just kind of like sabotage it and then so they have like a good bill on paper but it doesn't work out in real life for real people so that's another good criticism i think like yeah yeah i like that britney barnett uh cursed in her quote because i feel like lawyers i loved it too yeah it was so good yeah very stiff and very um measured and and she was uh talking about in response to people who say that uh kim kardashian doesn't have the expertise and she said you do not have to be an expert to know that miss alice does not deserve to die in prison that's a human that's a humanitarian issue you don't have to be an expert to know the shit is wrong and i'm like oh that's good i'm glad that she said it just the way I, I love that because like all the people that were like oh when's the last time kim kardashian read a book about prison reform and i was like when's the last time you read a book about prison reform like nobody actually reads books <laughs> about prison reform like it, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, idea, the idea that you need to read a book to know that right, somebody like, should be like, in prison for 21 years yeah like you know it's, that's for a, non-violent for, drug crime for non-violent drug yeah thing. Like, you know. like for like selling a drug that i saw my friends do last weekend on a saturday night in brooklyn like come on for selling a drug that now is like freaking they have like almost sommeliers about like like people come to your house <laughs> and open a briefcase and tell you about the notes like this this one has notes of vanilla like <laughs> right. it's fucking bourgeois fuck now and to be fair like alice johnson alice johnson was in prison for it was like a, a cracker cocaine conspiracy but still even yeah. that it's like come on yes i agree with you like at this point like certain people can get Certain people were always able to get that drug without any facing any repercussions. Um, yes. I think I, I believe can. all of Wall Street was powered by cocaine in the eighties. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's uh, yeah, but it, it is so disingenuous. I don't even understand. Oh, you know what? It's just reaching, like just just to have a reason to not want to support this. I mean, um, to be honest, I I remember when uh they were talking about Meek Mill. Mm, uh, yeah, I don't know if you know well, he was, they were talking about him going to visit Donald Trump right. in the White House and I'm thinking you know what is you know I kind of was against me going yeah. because you know I was thinking of you know you could invite somebody that's been championing this subject for uh, some time and, uh, I, and it was about questioning you know Trump's motives as opposed to you know what, what would be in it for Meek Mill which obviously he's got personal stake in this but after this Kim Kardashian thing, it's kind of, it made me do a 180 because it's like, it's like where this is where the rubber meets the road at. This is where stuff is happening at. You know, you can be theoretical, you can talk about books and all that, but she's making something happen. 
And that's yeah. just where it is for me. Again, I completely understand why like people that were in the Obama administration, Obama himself would be like throwing up. I mean, just 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 enraged at the idea of Donald Trump emerging as a criminal justice reformer. And from what I understand, I mean, he probably doesn't care at all. But like from what I understand, like Jared Kushner does actually believe in this because his dad went to prison. I mean, rightfully, because he committed a terrible white collar crime and usually yeah. that doesn't happen. But it seems genuine. And I mean, my position is that it's not like it's not my job to figure out what's going on in the brains of like very powerful people that I don't know personally. Yeah. But if whatever drives them results in some people getting out of prison who shouldn't be in prison, then we should support that and find a way as progressives to make sure that we don't get outflanked on this issue by conservatives. That's it. That's all. And and you know what's what's interesting too is this whole this whole idea about how politics is supposed to work like it's just supposed to be optics and point scoring like there's no real kind of issues this is culture war kind of um yeah bullshit and i i think between all this focus on russia and this culture war bullshit i really don't see to me that's more of a danger to trump getting reelected than than this than one good one good thing and the reaction to this if anything kind of disturbed me more about the lack of focus that the Democrats actually have on yeah. what actually matters and what doesn't. But let me ask you this. Do you think that Kanye's buttering up of Trump, this this conspiratorial thing, do you think could have been employed to set him up uh, for this? Because he really does go for getting his ego stroked. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, so you think yes, you think it might have been. Oh my gosh, no, wait, well, hold on. Let me back up, hold on. <laughs> Again, I stand by my pledge to never uh, try to speculate about what's going on inside of the brains of incredibly famous, crazy people I don't know. Yeah, I love that. I love that. After <laughs> it's you it's said a good that, reporting you just, strategy. Yeah. <laughs> you unequivocally um, just said yes. But I, well, no, but that's a really good question. Well, I'll say yes for you if, if it helps. Yes, I believe that. You think that? Okay. Absolutely true. You, you think, okay, that this was all like a setup for like Kim Kardashian's efforts to free Alice Johnson and do. Oh, I don't think I won't. I will, okay. I take it back. I don't think it's a setup necessarily, yeah. but I think that helped. I definitely think that it helped. probably helped. Yeah. Because you know, I, so I, w- I went to the NRA convention in Dallas, uh, the first week of May and Donald Trump was there and he was definitely like, Oh, hanging out with Kanye made my black Twitter followers surge from like 11% to 20%. And I have no idea if that's true or not, but he's, I mean, definitely <laughs> using it or trying to use it in some way. I don't know. He was definitely very happy about it, and he was yeah. praising Kanye on on Twitter and everything. So I, I I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of softened him up, you know, for this. Sure. Uh, one of the th- one of the things that somebody um said to me was they were like, okay, you know, maybe you have a point, but did she have to praise him um after because she said, you know, thank you, Donald Trump, and all this stuff, and I'm like. Donald Trump is a fucking narcissist. Egomaniac. Like, yeah, she obviously had to praise him after. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, not only that. Before, she, during, and after. Yeah. She probably yeah. bargained. She he probably bargained for that. He probably explicitly said, if I do this, you better, you know, thank me and say that, you know, how magnanimous I am. And she yeah. was like, okay, that's part of the deal. That could have been part of the quid pro quo. Like People yeah. have such a naive idea about what politics is like. Like she's supposed to get this done from him, and then be like, yeah. "Yeah, he's a racist prick." Ha ha, I got you. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like that's 
that's not the real world. No, it's not. I mean, the real, you know, it's like, they said, that, how do you feel that he used you? And I'm like, you know, people use each other all the time. <laughs> and it's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't misuse people mm-hmm. and you don't abuse people. And I think, you know, he got his, he got his ego stroked a little bit and he got to, you know, play, um, you know, magnanimous you know, king for a day. Exactly. And a lady gets to go home to her exactly. kids and her family. But they used each other. They make it sound like she came out empty-handed. Like she got what she came for. How is that being used? It's very weird. She won. She won in my book. She totally won. And like my theory, and I mean, again, speculative, but my theory is that, I mean, I knew he was going to, I mean, okay, I was almost certain he was going to commute Alice Johnson's sentence because if you think about it, it's actually the world's best troll of both hashtag resistance and Jeff Sessions. Nah. that's true because jeff sessions he doesn't like jeff sessions and jeff he sessions doesn't like is- jeff sessions and jeff sessions is a monster on criminal justice stuff like he is like tom yes. cotton where he's like yes. we need more people in prison i never did a thing wrong putting everyone in prison my whole life like i mean i talked to a lot of um i'm you know i'm friends with some former prosecutors and um like one of my best sources is this guy mark osler who was a prosecutor in detroit in the 1990s and his job was basically putting like black kids in prison for a long time for selling crack And then he had this like come to Jesus moment where he was like, oh my God, I'm a monster. I have to stop this. So now he's, you know, he's a professor who like introduces students to prisoners. And, you know, he's like very committed to this issue. And um, he told me once, he was like, I was like, do you, I mean, I don't understand prosecutors. Like, why are they doubling down on this very wrong idea? And he was like, imagine spending your entire life causing this much suffering and think about how easy it would be for you to say, I was wrong, and now I'm going to do something totally different. So yeah, that's how I see it, Jeff Sessions. Like yeah. He's like, no, I, I was right. Marijuana is going to kill everyone, and let's put more people in prison. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have to be able to admit to yourself that you're a monster. Exactly. And this, Yeah, or that you were a monster. and like, re- Yeah. I have, a, I have a question, right? A lot of people say, oh, this is a a common thing people say oh this is this means nothing because it's just one person here or there it doesn't affect prison reform but something you just said is i think very relevant what are the chances as long as jeff sessions is even there for prison reform to happen in an appreciable way anyway because jeff sessions from the way you make him sound he's not going to get behind any overhaul of the prison system anytime soon and he's the one who really has to be on board to make that happen like presidential pardons can be done unilaterally right but yes prison reform has to happen through jeff sessions right well it has to happen through congress and then it has to be instituted by the department of justice and then also i think the bureau of prisons which is under the department of justice has to be involved in actually making the changes enforcing enforcing enforcing, i'm sorry yeah you're totally right enforcing the changes so it's definitely an uphill battle 100 percent but I mean, I'm still kind of happy that Kim Kardashian used her, you know, giant platform to advocate for this issue and not, you know, to buy more shoes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, not hawking sketchers or whatever. Exactly, yeah. And it's like everybody, I mean, I, you know, that was another sort of narrative that I saw emerge around this, which was like, oh, it's just a PR move for her and for Donald Trump. And I'm like, you know what? Neither Kim Kardashian's fan base nor Donald Trump's fan base, like, they're probably, I mean, as far as I know, their priority is not freeing elderly black prisoners so i mean they're both like much better at propaganda than this like but but also even if it was a pr move like so what like people exactly, ask like obama yeah. people ask like obama didn't do anything for optics like you know mm. o- obama did nothing for optics he he didn't uh <laughs> light a white house and a rainbow flag and right. run around with rainbow flags right and, 
and do all types of things, you know, or Justin Trudeau dressing up in Diwali as if like, like Justin Trudeau's like love. weird fake jogging where he's like, yeah, I'm just randomly jogging here. Yeah, it's a photo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the politicians they love do good things or bad things with the added bonus of PR all the time. And it just yeah. act like, you know, somehow when someone they don't like is doing something, even something that they agree with, if they don't like the person, they shouldn't A, do what they agree with and B, yeah. get any PR benefit from it. It's a very bizarre excuse for being mad at this. It's very weird, I think. I think so too. Yeah. And I get it again, like emotionally why people are like, oh no, Donald Trump should not get credit for this. But uh, fine, like, let's not give him any credit. Like, I'm certainly no fan of Donald Trump, but I just don't, you know, I don't think that federal prisoners who have been in prison for decades had anything to do with Donald Trump's election in 2016. So why should they suffer yeah. just because liberals don't like Donald Trump? Yeah, I'm someone who's been very hard on Obama, but I have to give him some credit and i'm going to yes. soften on something because i was on reflex i was you know punching out obama saying like he could have freed her and he didn't but i mean he freed her cellmate he did yes and he freed a lot of people he freed a lot of people and he did if some of them didn't get through to get through the cracks i have to give credit where it's due he did do a lot of clemency i i agree and like the people that i've talked to think that all presidents would give more clemency but the traditional process where like a petition has to go through the DOJ and it takes years. And, you know, as one as, as Mark Osler, one of my sources told me, he's like, it's a building full of prosecutors. Of course, they're going to be like wary of granting clemency. So what I've heard is that, I mean, you know, there's no reason why people sh people's pardon process should go through the DOJ. Like why? That's so arbitrary. Again, it's a building full of prosecutors. Like imagine a world where pardons were granted by like, defense attorneys or you know yeah so i i don't blame obama for some of the people that suffered uh over this issue but um i think he was just like working in his historical context like he was the first black yeah. president he couldn't just be like i'm gonna free it 10 million people because that it was impossible politically at that point and yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he like maybe shunted criminal justice reform to the DOJ because that was literally the only thing that was possible at that time. But it's an imperfect process. Yeah. And like like I said, I've given him a hard time on a lot of things. But, you know, I'll, I'll give him credit. I'll give him credit on this one. He did it to the best. Yes, he uh, did. Um, uh, his ability, this this thing about uh, clemency. But do you know what made him kind of because he seemed you think he did it to the best of his ability? You think he could have done more? Could have done it better? Well, let me say this. I mean, the best of his ability for what he wanted to do afterward. I, I mean, for his particular goals. Because his goals, I think, were to still be able to be the guy who signs Netflix deals and does Spotify uh, playlists and yeah. windsurfs with Richard Branson. You know? <laughs> right. He, he, he wanted to remain a um, celebrity and a kingmaker. And I think what he wanted to do was, uh, you know, be like a rock star. Another feather in his cap a little he, bit. Yeah, he, wanted to be, <laughs> he wanted to be able to still be a rock star that could still be kind of post-racial and, and also kind of deliver black votes, which he ended up not being able to do for Hillary. Right. But, you know, like, I don't think he wanted to stay and stay radical after. So I take it back if... He probably didn't do everything that he could have done to the best of his ability if he just didn't care about what happened after his presidency. You know, if he just wanted to just be a lifelong activist, he could have done more. But, I mean, yeah. for the guy that I think 
within the parameters he set for himself, which is he wants his kids to be able to go to Ivy League schools and yeah. and hang out with rich white people and get book deals and be able to speak at Goldman Sachs for in perpetuity. And, you know, uh, I think he did the best he could within those parameters. Well, I mean, and then also I think another thing to consider is that like, so Donald Trump allegedly is considering the pardons of very many more nonviolent drug offenders. If Obama had tried that in 2008, he would have been, I mean, God, who knows what would have happened? Like it just wasn't, I, I don't think it was, it was possible at that point. And the fact that Obama did what he did might have softened. It may not the, have been possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, might, he might have softened the. Um, he might have softened. I, I'm, I'm losing my metaphor, but he, <laughs> he, he might have um, made it easier for. It might have been more palatable or conceivable for Trump to do something similar. Like you know, even if it wasn't yeah. as much as it could have been, it didn't seem as insane as it as it would have back in the day. You know. Right. Totally. I mean, think about the the political risk, though. So you commute the sentence of a prisoner. And because, you know, if you spend 20 years in prison, you're probably pretty traumatized. Right. So, you know, if Obama had misstepped and commuted somebody that then went on to reoffend, because, again, like humans. Willie Horton only, only takes one. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, that's exactly the point I was trying to make, like Willie Horton. Right. And then Democrats, you know never get elected ever again because americans are always terrified that someone's going to kill them even though they probably won't <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like 99 percent of them could not reoffend, but just takes one and then forget about it but also it's like also so dumb because like statistically older people do not commit crimes like dumb young people commit crimes older people like a 70 a 70 year old is not gonna yeah. you know pull up to a bodega and like shoot somebody in the face for like five dollars yeah. like old people yeah. don't do that kind of thing so yeah, you age out of certain types of crime absolutely you most people Especially age out of violent crime. crime literally people age out of violent crime it's like i mean I, my theory is that violent crime is just committed by like very young people who like like i'm like scared of young people I'm like oh. young men mostly young, young men, men young yes men full of testosterone and exactly and it's like very mm. similar to the mass shooting situation too and i think also the terrorist situation like young people are crazy they don't understand that death is permanent and they commit violent crimes out of desperation or whatever else yeah and especially people who when they were locked up young weren't even locked up for violence in the first place yes. so it's not even like yeah. they, they were violent when they were young and mm -hmm. and they're getting calmer when they get older they weren't even violent young to begin with right. and they're now old you know right. so that's even i watched this um documentary on netflix last night uh survivor's guide to prison uh and uh this young guy he was uh, convicted of a murder that he didn't commit you know i think he was like 16 or 17 God. and he'd been in prison for some time and he got life and, you know, he got involved with the prison gang culture. Yeah. And a guy wanted him to take credit for a knife that the police, that the uh, COs found. And he refused. So the guy cut him. He got cut on his neck. And he realized at that point that if he, if he didn't kill this guy, this guy was going to kill him. Right. So he killed the guy and ended up, you know, facing the death penalty. <sighs> Unfortunately, the lawyer that was working on that case had them go back and look at his previous case. And there was this dirty cop that was just hiding evidence and whatnot. And so I don't even know what my point was with that. I think <laughs> just the point it's that like you know, yeah. they, prison turns people mm -hmm. into what they're trying to protect society from. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. This guy wasn't a murderer before he went to prison. Right. And then he had to do that to survive. Yeah. Yeah. 
On a side note, is that pretty good? I've been thinking about watching that Survivor's Guide to Prison thing. Have you been liking oh, it? It was so interesting. It was interesting. It was interesting. I was. It was like really early this morning. We were just laying here and I was flicking through Netflix and I. Just... Yeah, I'm gonna be honest, Tana. Um, I had a whole bunch of questions, but you kept <laughs> answer. You kept answering them before I asked them. Like you were very thorough <laughs> in your early answers, <laughs> so you pretty much. <laughs> I had like a whole list that you pretty much uh, answered them. Like I got you inside our heads, man. She yeah, anticipated yeah. everything. Yeah, you would answer. Uh, well, this is what she does for a living, though. <laughs> we're amateurs, and this is what she well, does for a living. Well, no, a lot of times you talk to people, and you have to pull out all this stuff from their article. Like you know, you said this. Well, can you expand on this? But she pretty much. I asked one question, and she gave like answers on like five different things that included things I was going to ask. So that's sorry. my way of saying. I know how podcasts no, 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 work. No, it's, no <laughs> it's, not, it's not sorry. It's awesome. It makes my job easy. Good. But that, that's just my way of saying like I'm I'm done with questions. So if you have anything <laughs> that you want to ask, uh, Mike, feel free. The floor is yours. I'm. You know, when you put me on the spot like that, it's just like. Now, now I'm just blank. <laughs> See, you, you have to be ready for the no look pass. It can come at any time, you know. <laughs> I didn't I just tell you I was um, a rookie at this. Uh, this is still our first season, man. Oh, that's true. That's true. This is a really good podcast, guys. She, 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 she does this. She does this. <laughs> oh my god! You heard that? She like took a shot. <laughs> what? I didn't know. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was sarcasm. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, mean, I thought that was slight shade too. Now yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was shade. Oh my God, no, I'm not doing any shade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you guys want me to battle about the NRA convention? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Oh, it, it, yes. I'm going to say one last thing. Even when she said she's not doing shade, it sounds like shade. She's like, I'm not doing shade, guys. <laughs> Of course, not me. Like, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, tell us about the NRA convention because that, that was a pretty good uh, article too. Uh, it was in Rolling Stone, right? Thank you. That was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us some good NRA convention stories. Well, so it was really interesting. I got flown down to Dallas by Rolling Stone and um, I had two articles for them that I had to write. Like one was about just the general atmosphere of the NRA convention. Then the other one was like a Charlie Daniels concert. And I was so tired because like the NRA convention, man, guys, like it's like, it's basically a bunch of very old white people really wanting to pretend that if somebody tried to rape and or murder their loved ones, they would be able to stop them with a gun. And it's like not like, it's not like true. Like it's like all the imagery at the NRA convention is like Navy SEALs and like Wayne LaPierre is a badass, blah, blah, blah. And like ding a How many cowboy hats were there? There were a lot of cowboy hats. There were a lot of mock. <laughs> there were a lot of Make American Great Again hats. You said it was Texas, right? It was Texas. Yeah, it was Dallas, Texas. Those dudes all think they're cowboys, and exactly. they're like just got these big guts. Yeah. And, oh, like 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 they really think they look like Clint Eastwood or Unforgiven, and it's just fucking comical. Right. All like How much camo? How much camouflage was out there? A lot of camouflage. There's a lot of camouflage, but like the. I mean, it actually, I had to leave a lot because I was not because I was scared about the guns because, like, you know, it's a good major convention yeah. center in a big American city. There was like there were tons of armed guards around. Um, I I'm pretty sure that there was no live ammunition allowed uh, at the convention center. But I just kept getting panic attacks because I was like surrounded by all these people that seemed so sad and depressed and just like old and not like Navy SEAL badasses and. Mm -hmm. I mean, the funny thing that happened is that I was staying in a motel, um, like 10 minutes outside of Dallas. And okay, so I was like trying to, you know, get the energy up to get to the Charlie Daniels concert for the other article about that I had assigned. And I'm like, you know, sitting in my room, like, this is so awful. Ugh, I hate this. And I overhear this guy 
in this like orange stucco motel freaking out and I go outside to see what's happening and this guy's on the second floor and he's freaking out to the I I, I think Bangladeshi desk clerk and he's like oh my god I just shot someone oh my god I just shot someone and I was like what is going on and it turned out this guy who was an NRA member had been playing around with his gun, like being like a badass. And then he dropped it and it went off. Oh my God. Don't tell me he was like spinning it around and trying to do like, uh, I don't know what taxi, he was. Some taxi driver shit. Looking at me. I mean, quick I, yeah, like I wasn't there for that, but I do know that I walked to his room. Like he had shot a bullet through his headboard into the other room and he was panicking because he thought that there was somebody else in the other room. So he was like desperately <laughs> trying to find to blame it on there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, there were no black people to blame it on. Yeah. Screwed. (laughs) Totally screwed. No black people to blame it on. And he's probably yelling at them for the employment policies. Like, you guys don't hire any black people here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's never stopped somebody from making up imaginary black person. (laughs) Hey, he came into my room. That's uh, true. I I thought it was room service. You know, he had uh, dreads, and I think he had a Jamaican accent. Yeah. Yeah. Just popping and locking. Then he took the gun. (laughs) He said, "Freeze, honking sucker." Right. Totally. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know they got those. You know they got the old slang. the, the, you know, you know Jack how black people talk to exploitation movies and not <laughs> real life. He's like, I'm Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> None of you jive turkeys better split. <laughs> Remember that guy who put Black's Rule on his driveway? <laughs> like, he was thinking that was like real graffiti slang, like Black's Rule. Like, that, that, yeah, he was, a, he was an old, he was an old white guy, man. Oh but I like how those guys always think that they're either like uh, military operatives or cowboys and they're, they're like living gated communities yeah and they're exactly, always doing youtube yeah. videos in their car because the wife is gonna yell at them right they yeah they never, to do it in they the never house. got like, shot at yeah they never ducked a bullet they never went you know it's just like they they think that you know like like she said earlier they think that if if the shit hit the fan they're just gonna be totally ready for it because they got a gun right and you know it's it's there's more to it than that yeah there is yeah and they're just so unprepared yeah and they're gonna hurt themselves as as that guy so aptly demonstrated they're gonna hurt themselves or somebody else more often than they have to protect themselves from anybody or anything yeah absolutely i mean the guy like he was so embarrassed like he i was like you know i'm a reporter right i can like just go into your room and take a picture and he was like i don't care i'm really freaked out and he was like shaking and i felt so bad for him because he was like he was like probably 25 or 26 and i was like do you want a xanax are you okay he's like no i'm freaking out i have to keep a clear head for when the police show up and i was like oh god this is so pathetic and sad like you thought you were going to be a badass with your gun but really you just executed your headboard because he did like i got like a picture of like i got a picture of the bullet hole through the headboard because he had like shot his own fucking headboard i'm sorry can i cuss on this podcast oh yeah 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 okay okay well he executed his fucking headboard yeah did you did you do a did you do a story on that? I did, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put it in the show notes. It's a pretty good story. It's in the it's in the Rolling Stone. I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, please do. I gotta read that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, you know, I always say this, but uh, always go to the show notes. We're gonna have all um, these articles that Tana's referring to in the show notes for you. Um, to read it's it, the the headboard story is in there. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, you, you know, I would give anything. To see that guy's internet history like i'm I sure know. he probably posts the craziest like badass stories in like you know 4chan or yeah or, or gunslingers.com <clears throat> right forum like like you know I, I could totally imagine what uh his online persona is like it must be obnoxious 
Well, I hope you learned a valuable lesson about playing with your fucking gun in a motel in Dallas. And the funny thing is that, like, he, so he called the cops because he was like, oh, my God, an accidental gun discharge. I must call the police. And, like, when the police, like, the Dallas police, like, realized that nobody had gotten killed because it just, he was very lucky nobody had been staying in the room where the bullet went. You're um, lucky you weren't staying in the room next to where the Exactly, bullet yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, whatever. I didn't feel unsafe, but yeah. it's. Yeah, I mean, so if somebody had been in that room, they could have gotten killed by them. Or maybe even in the next room. Like, those things don't just stop at exactly. one Exactly. Like, bullets bullets go far. I think people should realize that. And, uh... Dumbass. Yeah, no, I mean, he, um, at some point... Did some, you put like, a picture of it in the article, too? I didn't include the picture. But, Dang. uh, not in the article, but somebody, like, definitely some right-wing guy emailed me after the article published, and he was like, can you please provide the location and time of this alleged gun accidental gun discharge i was like Ugh, i could just like screw with you and like let you go through the long process of getting a police report but here's a picture of the fucking executed headboard why do you think he was doing that you think he was trying to paint you as a liar and try to say like oh you lib are you trying yeah to he thought he thought yeah he thought that well i mean to be fair like rolling stone did have uh, you know the uva rape story like people do question the reporting sometimes but i was like yeah. okay uh -huh. i could like let you go through the trouble of like trying to get a police report but here's a picture of the executed headboard here's a picture of the gun and the guy was like wow good job doing reporting i don't trust most liberal media but you did a good job oh, i was like Thanks, dude. I, 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 yeah <laughs> i knew he, i knew he mentioned liberal somewhere in the uh <laughs> correspondence so it's uh, I, I knew he was gonna say like liberals yeah i was like sure like some liberals make shit up like not me though like i'm a good reporter like i took a picture of the executed headboard this happens you know we don't lie we don't lie about dead headboards though and, and bedroom <laughs> furniture it's a serious matter it's a very serious issue more people should be concerned about dead furniture oh man <laughs> but... it's so funny to me so tana geneva you said yes. that was hungarian or did romanian what was it oh it's bulgarian it hungarian bulgarian, bulgarian. Okay. yeah it's one of those countries like near those I, other countries. <laughs> Don't make fun of me. You, know, you see what I'm saying, T? Yeah, it was yeah. Really, like it's one of those countries near one of those other countries that you. Oh no, I'm shit, sorry, I'm not close. To, like to literally, nobody knows where Bulgaria is. I totally get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you have a very sarcastic voice. I've never noticed that I just heard the voice divorced from the face, but yeah, you have a, you have a <laughs> voice that sounds very sarcastic, and then when you assure that you're not being sarcastic, it sounds like uh extra gaslighting so i don't i don't know oh, no. I, 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 I don't know like like the best way you said she said like superior uh, level superior level yeah 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 there's like, like levels to it it's very it's very meta like but you know i'm still like replaying uh good pasta good podcasting guys like i'm still playing i'm still <laughs> i'm still scratching my chin on that one i don't know i don't know like i I'm i think she was right though it's good this is i think this was good radio man i think this is excellent podcasting actually you know what i'm gonna go with whether you be sincere or not i'm gonna say you're being sincere I am absolutely I, sincere. I'm not that much of an asshole. She's loose enough now. She kind of got loose. She got loose now, and she's, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. having fun with us, and that's cool, man. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm done. I've you've answered everything, and then some. I'm glad we got the NRA story in there. Like, uh, yeah, thank you. I feel sorry yeah, yeah. about it. And also, I was trying to think of a really good segue, and I like that you just didn't care and just didn't even try because uh, I wasn't gonna come up with a good segue, and you just just like fuck a segue. So. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Got that shit right out the park. Appreciate that one. Yeah. So is, is this is uh, the Alice Johnson story? Is this your your biggest story that you've done to date, or what would you consider your biggest story that you've done? Um, I okay. So one story I did that I really liked is um the Stanford Social Innovation Review sent me down to North Carolina to report on 
a nonprofit that's actually helping this like this place deal with its very serious opioid addiction problem. Mm-hmm. And I like that one best, honestly, because you know, I talked to everyone in the town. They were great. I talked to some addicts who are doing better now, even though, I mean, I'm a little bit negative about the potential for uh, a resolution to the opioid crisis. But the funny thing about that, can I tell you guys a story, uh, a funny story about that? Please. Okay, so I was in North Carolina in Wilkes County, which is like not hipster North Carolina. This is like legit, like quote unquote, real American North Carolina. And, um, you know, I was doing this story about this nonprofit that is working to introduce harm reduction principles to North Carolina. And the entire time I was there, there was this like really funny subtext where everyone I interviewed was like, oh my God, the New York Times vape shop story. Oh my God, the New York Times vape shop story. So it turned out that before Donald Trump's election, the New York Times sent a reporter down to this county to interview people and kind of do like a, oh, what do real Americans think about Donald Trump in real America? So this guy interviewed a million people in this town, but he set his entire article at a vape shop where the entire premise was like, oh, people have lost hope, so all they do is vape all the time. And then when I was there, (laughs) yeah, it was like hilarious. Everyone I talked to was like, oh, wait, your media, I hate you. The New York Times vape shop story. And I was like, guys, take me to this goddamn vape shop. I need to know what's going on here. (laughs) So I go to this vape shop and like the guy who was like leading me around Wilkes County was like, are you sure you want to go to this vape shop? I'm like, yes, take me to this goddamn vape shop. I need to know. And I go to this vape shop. It's closed. My source was like, oh, it's closed. Nothing to see here. Let's move on. And then as we were standing there, this like random hippie like ambles over and he opens up the vape shop she's like hello guys sorry the vape shop was closed and i was like how do you feel about the fact that you were like the subject of a new york times vape shop story where like the entire you know narrative was oh real america is sad all the time and vaping constantly and he was like sigh they definitely misrepresented what they were doing i feel really bad about this like you know there's more to this town than like poor white people being sad like (laughs) But I don't know. I just thought it was really funny. Like, like I kind of want to like go back there and be like, how does it feel to be like the objects of like the New York Times? Oh, and then interestingly, the guy who did the story is the New York Times reporter who actually got in trouble for writing a very sympathetic profile of Nazis. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah. With that one guy who Richard something. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the guy who eventually got fired. Not the reporter, but he, did he the, get the, fired? The, no, no. The one he profiled got fired. The, the Nazi he profiled ended up, I think, either losing yes. his job. Yeah, or something. he got fired. And I was yeah. like, how did this guy manage to write a sympathetic article about Nazis, but wrote like a horrible article about like actual nice people in this like crappy town trying to make their area better? Quick, quick question. So the vape shop story. It's that he basically made this vape shop the center of just depression and all types of, uh, like... That's where they go to escape their their depression from... But, like, the thing about this town is that, like, there's so many people working really hard to do, like, really good nonprofit work. And they all work together. Like, I talked to, like, you know, like, black nonprofit organizers, like, why, you know, and who knows what's actually going on with them for, like, a couple of days. Who knows what's actually happening? But I was like, oh like real people working to make the world better versus like this bullshit, like, you know, so, reporting. So, so basically people basically had a distrust of the media after yes. seeing the local, the local vape shop 
uh, slander. Like, because you know, a vape shop should be a safe space. If agreed, if, yeah. If you're, if, yeah, yeah. If your vape shop can't be a safe space, that's that's terrible. But <laughs> I, have one, I have one last question to go back to the NRA thing. Okay. Did you see a lot of dog whistly stuff going on there? Because I know a lot of those gun shows. They try not to be like overtly racist, but mm. fear of black people rising up, like the dark hordes, right. you know, uh, literal and figuratively coming up. A lot of that, you know, comes up like, you know, Confederate flags, um, pictures of Mike Brown. Like, you know, th- was was that happening at the NRA thing or, or is it because the NRA is one of the bigger ones? I know the smaller ones have a lot of that. Does the NRA kind of keep optics in mind and try to not have a lot of that uh, dog whistly or imagery like confederate flag stuff there or did you see it there no i I definitely saw it there yeah i mean a lot of like i think everyone i interviewed was like we're not racist we swear but i was like "Mm, i don't know this is completely white and also like of course not you know yeah i think Um, don't take these trayvon martin um Exactly. Targets, yeah. Well, know, I mean, like, I think way. a really significant thing that happened is that so the NRA, um, so there's this thing the NRA does called the NRA Leadership Conference, which is actually a separate entity from the NRA. And those are the people that organize like all the politicians coming in. So it was like Donald Trump, Mike Pence, like everyone, Dana Loesch, whatever, all, all those people. And um, I mean, what I thought was really in- telling is that they celebrated a white guy who had shot a gunman after the gunman had already killed like 30 people and they celebrated that guy his name is williford something williford ross i think but they had no mention of um james shaw who unarmed like a black guy who unarmed a shooter at a waffle house saving countless lives yes so yeah like yes it's very racial it races well he didn't have a gun very fraught he didn't have a gun he didn't yeah he didn't defeat this terrorist with a gun that's exactly but he like literally just like he charged a gunman like ripped his gun out of his hands and threw it behind a counter (laughs) and he got you know he was injured like yeah yeah and to be fair like a lot of people i talked to in dallas about that were like that guy's awesome like even like whatever like dumb racist white people like that guy is awesome he's our hero he's great but i don't know i mean (laughs) he was not publicly celebrated by the nra so that should tell you something did you hear the word zombies at all i know zombies is supposed to be like a dog whistle that they say at those gun shows that's a new one i never heard that what do you mean zombies zombies well that's what uh, that's what d told me d told me there's a dog whistle called zombie it's a code word they use for black people i don't know about myself but 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 you didn't hear you didn't hear that word uh, I mean, I didn't personally hear that word, but okay, yeah. If, if anybody knows about the zombies thing, I just want to know more about it. Yeah, uh, you, d- just write a champagne sharks at gmail. Actually, no, someone's just gonna say something just right. So for, for, forget <laughs> right. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, all right, Tana. Thanks for uh, joining us. It's been great. And appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Thank you, guys. If you have anything good to oh, share can with say us, one more f- thing, really it, quickly, or am I just like over right. saying my podcast? Welcome. <laughs> Okay, so oh, 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 we wanted to get you out a long time ago, but it's it's too late now. The ship has sailed. But yeah, yeah, no, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah come right. on, come on. It's gonna be like a ten-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. So I will say that, from what I understand from my sources, it is possible that Donald Trump is gonna free more nonviolent drug offenders, and I'm not sure what progressives should do about that. I I know that on Friday, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I'm saying this. Okay, the lead counsel for the Koch brothers. Uh, Mark Holden met with Jared Kushner and the White House counsel 
Don McCann about freeing more nonviolent drug prisoners. So we might have to figure out very quickly wow. a way to not get outflanked by conservatives on criminal justice reform. And I'm really worried about the terrible takes that we're going to see. Like, I know, all they're going to be so trying, bad. Yeah, yeah they're, they're all going to be like, you know, sometimes black black people need to stay in prison. Like, you know, it'll right. be, like be like black liberals saying that, like, you know. Well, they haven't been, re they haven't been rehabilitated while they were in there. They didn't even get a sewing class or anything. <laughs> what are we going to do for them when they hit the streets? Right. No and they can't sew. Go. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, because I, I, I remember when people wanted to make excuses for... Um, Hillary using prison labor in Arkansas. So suddenly, oh my God, I remember got, like, that. People... That's crazy. That was a crazy story. Yeah. yeah. And there were a lot of like black liberals making excuses, like you know, they were saying stuff like a lot of prominent like black liberal pundits. Like I think one is called like Doc Rock. The, the, there were a couple of them, uh, and they were saying stuff like, "Well, actually, it's good that they get some air." You know, you don't <laughs> understand like how much prisoners hate being uh cooped up all day and plus they're getting right. they're getting work skills and i was like oh my god just uh, so sometimes you can just say nothing so this is okay right. to just say nothing yeah. right <laughs> yeah people always think they have to weigh in but okay uh thanks thanks for that and we will talk well, to you uh, yeah. do you got anything big coming up tana that you want people to be checking out for or oh yeah yeah plug whatever you want to plug this is your shot Oh, I mean, I think I'm probably going to write an article for The Intercept soon about uh, two other prisoners that are hoping to get commutations. One is John Nock, who has life without parole for his role in a marijuana conspiracy um, drug trafficking case. Another one is Crystal Munoz, who is a Texas uh, Navajo woman who has two young daughters and she got 18 years all she did, as far as I could tell, is draw a map, like a very crappy map, can I just say, of uh, that she sent to some friends about how they could circumvent a drug, uh, a drug check. And they did it and she got 18 years. And like she has, you know, it's oh, horrible. So, so, so that's, so that's kind of one of the steering ones, really, like the person's not even actually doing the dealing. Yeah, she never personally dealt drugs she just like made oh. some bad friends and they ended up she selling a bunch of weed was what and she knew that where there was a checkpoint that they could uh, avoid yeah she was just like and i mean told so, them how to avoid it? so her story is that they were they were probably drug traffickers um they had like a fairly large marijuana selling operation and then she made friends with them because she was like very messed up like she was traumatized over a lot of stuff and um she ended up just being like hey they're my friends i'm gonna draw them a map that tells them where they can avoid the drug checkpoint and she got like 18 years and she's got like two twin girls that her husband is taking care of now and she's like oh my god i hope i get freed like yeah so yeah we'll definitely keep an eye out for that you said it's gonna be in the intercept mm -hmm. okay okay great great and and everyone follow tana on uh twitter so whenever she writes about prison reform you can see it as it happens in uh real time yeah and yeah that's that so thanks again you know yeah. tana appreciate thanks you coming thanks guys did did we lose her hello hello no, no, she's just, okay thanks. okay cool all right forget i i thought i think i cut <laughs> off all right so take care tana have a good one